there's, one, there's many verses in the Word that I love, but um, one theme in particular I just find so beautiful. It's just that as the Word is the place that we go to find out more about God, we can find out how much He knows about us. So He knows that we're ridiculously forgetful. We forget how great and magnificent He is. We forget that He made the world. And there's a series of verses that Jesus said, says, he says things like, oh, with man it's impossible, but with God anything's possible. And then just in case we didn't get that, later he says, well, nothing is impossible with God. And then all things are possible with God. And in fact, I've got, there's 12 verses in the Bible that are on that theme. It's all presented slightly differently. What I love about that verse in Matthew is it reminds us with God. We don't operating alone. We're operating with God. We're operating in concert with God and in concert with his body, which is fabulous. And so that's one of the things that really attracts me to the mission that we have in Cambodia. And I love how this church responds, your heart response to um, adopt a box every time we run it. And this we've had a lapse of about three years. But every time we run it, this is a small church, and yet we'll have between, I think the least number of children we've had is about 60, the maximum is about 120, and we always manage to send a box to every single one of those children. So the video you see, there's no children on the edges that haven't received. And I look at this church and I just think, oh wow, God, you are so amazing. The way you work with us and you unify us is absolutely wonderful. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about um, what I know of the mission because I have been over there. Um, but to let you know that there are people in our church who've been there as well. And so if you're curious to find out more about the main family that we're working with or PM Village or New Life Fellowship where they worship, you can talk to people like Peter and Mom and Russell and Deb and Bruce and Kim, there's a whole lot of, and Richard, um, I've forgotten Richard, um, Richard's here, yeah, beside Peter. Um, so you can get a sort of a first-hand sense of, of what, what's happening there. Um, I think pre last year we showed a video that sort of talked about how, what a fraught history Cambodia has and the effects of war on that place. Um, what it didn't talk about was the effects of other spirits in that place. So um, the expression of Christ is um, quite limited. It's probably about 2% of the population, although it is growing. And a lot of that has came. This is how God works beauty and blessing um, from curses. So a lot of that was from American missionaries who came after the war, which is um, really amazing. But the... The adverse spirits um, enslave people and they hold people back. I, was, um, I had the privilege of going on mission with um, Janine and Andrew Kabala a few years ago and they were ministering to people in villages and asking people if they wanted to accept Lord Jesus. And it was amazing seeing, spending two days with people and when we arrived, seeing the faces and there was a sort of um, a fearfulness this was the first time that we'd come to minister to the men and the women in that village. They were really very apprehensive. 
by the end of um, two days of being in the Word and being together and praising God together, <laughs> the joy, <laughs> the joy in the room was miraculous. And it just reminds me that we serve a God of miracles. And sometimes we go through something that's just devastatingly challenging and we sort of reach out to God. But in fact, there are miracles in the detail of every day that we can call on God to help us with. Just going back to that time in Cambodia, one of the things that was holding some of the Cambodians back were these um, uh, sort of strings that they had tied around their arms and around their waists. And it was under their clothing, so it wasn't obvious. But ultimately, at the end of this particular day, um, all of the women came forward, because I was in the room with the women, all of the women came forward and they had these strings cut off. And it was just such a symbol of being released and being set free of chains. The reason I'm telling you this is because your participation in something like a doctor box starts to help mobilise your prayers and your thoughts towards the children who live in this village and their future. And to be praying against adverse spirits is a really important part of that. Already, as a church, you've been um, supporting um, financially as well. And so I'm really grateful that we're, that we're all doing this together. And I ask you to continue doing it when you're reminded and when you're not reminded. To somehow check it in, check in maybe weekly, oh, the Cambodia mission. And to encourage not only the people that are here and our generosity, thanks be to God, but for the workers over there. Because you know what it's like. Sometimes you're doing something and you just feel discouraged. Um, and so praying a spirit of encouragement over each of us and over each of them, over each of those children, over their families. So I'm, I'm really asking you to continue what you're doing, continuing the financial support, continuing to support a doctor box and continuing in prayer because Lord Jesus is faithful to us. Whatever we do in word or deed, let it all be for the glory of God. Thank you so much. You've been so quiet and attentive. <laughs> I'm going to hand over to um, Russell, who's got a word for us. Bless you, church. Good morning, everyone. Um, Sheila, I'm not sure whether or not we've got a few of those photos over there. Um, you want to... So this year we received 87 photographs and 70 people have put their hand up and that have prepared boxes and we've received many of them already. But there's about 15, no, not more than 15, children whose photos represent people who haven't received a sponsor. Many of you <laughs> have prepared multiple boxes and I'm not asking, I'm not wanting to put a burden on any of you. But if the Lord speaks to any of you who haven't sponsored yet or if you'd like to do one more, um, it'd be lovely to hear from you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. I think it's wonderful. It's great to be a part of a church that has such a heart. Uh, not only locally, what we do locally is absolutely amazing, but um, touching these kids, you see on the faces of those kids, it's, uh, it, it's life-changing for the, some of these kids. Uh, when we were there, we saw kids, they've only got one set of clothing. So if they've got a wash, they have to walk around naked while their clothes are being washed and things like that. So 
um, by putting some different clothes like t-shirts and shorts and those things in the boxes it's really helpful for those kids and you know imagine doing that where we, every time we had to wash our clothes we walked around naked I don't think we'd be happy with that not much dignity in that but it, so this is what the children are faced with so it's really important that we do this and um, you know it's life-changing for these kids it really is um, if you've got your Bibles I'd like to turn to Luke chapter 10 it's a familiar story that we're going to read and it's about the Good Samaritan and I guess a, a message in, in line with what we're doing in church is on how do we be a Good Samaritan. We've, we've all heard this story but I hope I can open up a little bit more. There's some wonderful truths hidden in this when you actually do a really, really good exegesis or um, I guess an examination of it. So I'll start at verse 25 and it says, on one occasion an expert in the law stood to, up to test Jesus, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. And Jesus says, you answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down to Jerusalem from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Uh, it's a, an interesting story and we look, there, there's a lot of layers in that story. When you approach um, doing an examination of scripture, there's something we call, and I'm not a scholar of the word, but uh, we call a pest analysis. And so we can understand the context, we're not looking through Western eyes. And the pest analysis is political, so we un to understand the political situation at the time, economic situation at the time, also the social and the technological and there's other areas when you're doing any type of um, cultural studies that we take into the geography and the environment at, at that period of time. So we look at this situation and to fully understand it, we've got the lawyer. It was common in that time for lawyers when they saw a new rabbi is to test a rabbi. So Jesus was the new kid on the block at that stage. So he's rolled into town and, and an expert in the law has rolled up and thought, okay, I'm going to test this guy and see what he's made of if he knows his stuff. And so Jesus, in his approach, would ask the questions. And uh, it, it wasn't uncommon for this to happen, but they it was nearly like a debate. But you can see Jesus' wonderful response. We also have an element of the Samaritans. Samaritans were despised by Jews, absolutely despised. They come from uh, Abraham as well, but the Jews felt the Samaritans, while being people of the promise that they compromised, and they had different beliefs of where they should worship and different things like this. With the Samaritans, um, they also married non-Samaritans. 
uh, non-Jews non or non-children of Israel. So they felt that the Jews really despised them. They actually despised them more of a Gentile, which were non-Jews. Because they were half a Jew, they saw them as half-Jews, that they really, really despised them. So Jesus using this character in this story is quite significant. And then we see the priests. The priests obviously were the holy people. They were the ones performing, performing the ceremonies in Jerusalem. And Levites, who were also of the same, same tribe, they were like the worship team. They would come and sing psalms, etc. So Jesus is positioning these people in, in this passage where he, he's sharing this story. These are people that actually, uh, of spiritual people, they, they should know better. And so the priests and the Levites, they walk to the other side and, and they disregard this. So Jesus is asking, okay, he could have used an Irishman, an Englishman, a Scotsman, but he used a Samaritan for the purpose because he wanted to actually challenge the thinking around that. And this passage is actually highlighting the love, like Christ is trying to get them out of the space that this is all about law and the law will set you free, but more so the fact that this scripture, that the kingdom of God isn't about laws, it's about love. So we see in Luke 10.33 it says, but a Samaritan as he travelled came to where the man was. And the first type of love Jesus is saying is this a seeking love, that we must seek it out, we mustn't turn a blind eye, that like you, we see the Levite and the priest actually crossed the street and they walked away from him. And there's a few biblical scholars that have different things when they talk about those people. They couldn't touch dead bodies. They weren't sure if he was dead. He was completely naked. So they would have known what religion he was. So um, these are the kind of things they would have known. Is this guy a Jew? He's not identified. Do, is he dead? Is he alive? But he was left for dead. So they passed on the other side. And Christ, the whole focus of this is that he's come, that the lost may be found. And so we see this in, in Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. And so he's saying that we need to be witnesses. And what do we do as witnesses and how do we live a life of a witness? Well, it's interesting when we look at scripture and a lot of times we think that we've got to be witnesses, we've got to be lawyers. And there's a difference between a witness and a lawyer. Witnesses usually go and give an account they'll basically give an account of what's happened in their life. And lawyers will go and actually debate. They'll actually fight based around the law. So when we're told to go and be witnesses, we're there to share our story. So it, it doesn't mean that we go into lawyer mode and start arguing everything. And particularly in the workplace, all it is is, and, and amongst our friends and family, it's just sharing our love that God and what God has done in our life rather than getting into a debate. I've never, ever in all my life won a debate and convinced people that they were wrong. I've probably won the debate but lost a friend. So when we're, when we're talking about being witnesses, is sharing our love. And so we see this, this case where here's a Samaritan despised by all society, particularly the Jewish society. He's the one that reaches out. And it, it's quite amazing that one little thing like that can change a life. And we, we looking at these boxes here, this is an extreme case. I, I don't drive around the streets and seeing guys lying on the side of the road. I don't think many of us have. And if we have, there's actually Samaritan laws in New South Wales that protect us um, from being sued because people sue people that try to help them, believe it or not. So uh, I'm not going to give you the full rundown of that law. Have a look at it for yourself. We've all got Google, not now. And, um, but there's Samaritan laws in this case. So 
that would actually help people and, and encourage them to look after them. But in this context of being a Samaritan, it, it's not only just looking after this. It can be just something really simple. It can be making a meal from someone, giving someone a lift. Um, my dad grew up in, in a bit of poverty. He's one of 16 kids. So my grandmother's a breeder, or she was a breeder. She lived to 100, so good stock, good stock. And so my father grew up in uh, relative poverty. He's, his father was a pretty big drinker, and it was common. He grew up in the, the, the days of um, the Depression, so that was a common thing for guys to drown their sorrows. But with 16 kids at home, it's a different story. So my father left school at 12, which wasn't uncommon, and he worked in the market gardens picking tomatoes at 6 a.m. in the morning and etc. And he worked for a Christian man. And um, it's amazing how one decision can actually change a whole lineage. So this, this guy, his name was Jack Martin, and he went on to plant churches and he's a wonderful man, but he was quite a wealthy man. And so my dad was a loose cannon and uh, with eight bro- or seven brothers and eight sisters, you could imagine there was a bit of fighting going on and he was, never wanted to be at home. So this guy, Jack Martin who was a Christian, said, look, um, if you come to church for six weeks in a row, I'll buy you a suit. So that was the incentive for my dad. And consequently, after about the fourth week of my dad trying to earn his suit, he became a Christian. And that changed our whole lineage. And it changed, one little, one little act of kindness actually changed that. And, you know, uh, I became a Christian because I grew up in the church. My brother, he's gone on to be a theologian at uh, Alpha Crucius and my um, nephews and nieces. It actually changed, and my, my dad's now got great-grandkids that are Christians as well. So one act of kindness. We don't know what we're releasing when we do something like this. You know, it's absolutely powerful. Let's have a look at another scripture. And when, when he took pity on him, and it says a man was going down to Jerusalem. And that, that doesn't seem to be something uncommon, but between Jericho and Jerusalem... It was about a 15, 15K trip, and it was really treacherous. So that word of just, oh, he's going down to Jerusalem, we just look at, oh, what does that mean? Well, what had happened is you would never travel alone if you were going to Jerusalem. You'd never, doing that track, you'd always be in a convoy or a caravan. So why Jesus uses that actual very simple term is you don't know what's happening. He would have been provoking the crowd because, like... I guess I've been guilty of, oh, the, well, if he's gone there on his own and walked through this place that was known to have thieves and bandits, he's got what he deserved. And that's what the crowd would have been thinking. This guy's got what he deserved. But, it, it, and it was provoking the crowd. So they're kind of looking at it thinking, okay. And the Samaritan, the beautiful thing about the Samaritan, he doesn't, he doesn't ask with the guy, you know, how did you get into this? Oh, of course you, no wonder you got beaten up. You know, that wasn't the issue. He had an eye of compassion. Um, Deb and I always buy the big issue from those guys on the street. And there's some wonderful... We, we see that we can make a judgment on people when we see their circumstances, but we never really know what's actually happened in their life. You know, it's easy to make that call. And so I was reading the story, and it's heartbreaking. It was about a, a guy, he, when he, he was 19, just about to go into um, medical school to become a doctor, and he was drafted to go to the Vietnam War as a 19-year-old. So he went into um, the medical um, part of the army, so he he became a medic. And sadly, um, he had to 
treat people and he was dealing with death every day and some of the guys he actually knew. And so as a result of that, he came out of the army, had a drinking problem. So we see these guys in the streets, we can make a call that it's their own fault. So this guy got on the terps after he um, left the army because he was just traumatised, post-traumatic stress. And then uh, he eventually dried out and he became an ambulance officer. So he kind of cleaned up his life and he married a woman, had a child. One day he was called out and he was called out to a fatal accident with his wife and child. It's, it gets me because we don't know what's happening in people's lives. We really don't. And um, it, it really touched me. And I, it actually pierced my heart because I've been so guilty of... We can just look at a circumstance and just think, hey, you know what? These pe- that druggie, that's his own fault. That homeless person, that's their own fault. But Jesus isn't like this. He's saying, don't judge or you'll be judged. For the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. We need to have an eye of compassion, be, be sympathetic and really pursue people. A love that serves. And uh, when, he, when we talk about the wine and, and things like that, that he applied well, wine, that was another thing that upset the Jews because it was, uh, they were ceremonial, but he was putting into practice, he just saw the need. And um, sometimes there's a lot of lip service out there, we can give lip service, but God wants us to be practical. I see a lot of people on social media who I refer as slacktivists. It's really easy to have, to say things to appear some way on social media, but where the rubber hits the road, what are these people doing? So it's easy to have an opinion, oh, we want to be perceived as this way. And one of those was in, um, I remember the Coney 2012, remember that thing? Coney about those guys and it went viral and everyone, everyone was on the Coney thing and sharing it, all feeling good, back patting each other, I'm socially conscious, this is wonderful. Then they have a rally and about 300 people roll up. So the key is don't have a rally on a Saturday morning where people are having brunch. And, uh, but this, this is the, the slacktivist thing, it's... God's about doing things that are practical and things that will cost us. Um, there's a, a story about a guy called Sundar Singh, and he was a Himalayan hiker and uh, a trekker. And um, what he used to do is he, he'd take people through for hikes. And he was, had his companion, they were doing a hike one day, and then suddenly they got caught in a blizzard. And as a result of that blizzard, that they were walking along, they found a guy and he'd fallen and he was left for dead and so they, they had to make a decision because of the blizzard was moving in they'd end up getting caught and they'd end up dying they didn't have the right clothing and so Sunda said you know what are we going to do here and his mate said mate look we can't help him let's just run we, we've got to get out of here and so his heart was moved so he didn't do that he said look I'll carry him he said well I'll see you back at the camp but I'm not losing my life over a guy I don't know as a result of Sunda taking this guy on his, on his back, the warmth of that guy actually kept him alive and revived the guy as well because he was suffering from hypothermia. And the sad thing is they came across the guy that ran and he'd passed away. So it, it's, it's a sad story, but sometimes what we think that we're giving up is the thing that God's going to bless and he's going to save us with. You know, the, the story of the Good Samaritan, when we look at it, 
the things that he did, he put the man on the donkey, brought him into the inn and took care of him. Would you put someone in your car that was bleeding? It's a big question. I'm a bit of a germaphobe, but uh, I like a clean car, by and large. Probably not as clean as my wife would want me to have it, but, you know, you, they, these are the kind of questions you ask. And when we look at the story of the Good Samaritan, this is what he's about. And, and God's talking about the love that we can go through rituals, but what are we living? What are we actu- actually living? You know, love that costs. Uh, are, we, are we counting your costs? Is it easy for us just to turn our eye to things? And, and we live in a Western world, we're so blessed. We're so blessed. You know, we, we look at what's happening in Cambodia and their history. It's been horrific. And I just encourage you today, you know, and this is not a sales job, but there's some kids there. And that, a, a box there, if you have the capacity to do that. I know this is on the spot. But we could actually, that could be a changed life there, you know. You don't know what we're planting and the fact that someone's reaching out from another country and giving them the opportunity to either earn, uh, learn English or, or to read and write and have those skills to break the poverty cycle could be massive. We could see there could be a Billy Graham sitting there. There could be someone, a, a political leader that we're touching the life of that we can actually change. So I just encourage you with that message today that to be good Samaritans, that we, let's not judge, let's have an eye of compassion and where we have the ability to actually look after people and it's in our capacity, let's rather than look aside, let's act. Thank you. Thanks, Ross. That was a great word, wasn't it?